I do think the ability to talk to so many different people and to make them feel comfortable very quickly and let them tell their story, I think that all leads up to that. Hey, dear listener, welcome back. My name is Peter Preston, and this is the Dear Video Podcast. Today, we are joined by Kara Chin. Kara is a video producer at Business Insider, working on all sorts of really cool stories. What you'll hear from Kara today is how she goes about producing a daily show, the stresses about how you pick what you're going to talk about, and then also the production side, choosing the stories that you're going to tell or not, and why, if she went back in time, she would tell herself to go into journalism anyway, despite the fact that she thinks it's a crazy move, but she'd do it all over again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Kara, for being here. Let's get into it. Kara, thank you for joining me today. I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your evening to come and have a chat. Thank you for having me. Could you start with where are you today? Where are you from? And what are you doing? I am from New York. I am in New York. I grew up just outside of New York City in the suburbs. And so I guess I also took a very big geological turn. Hmm. So I grew up in the suburbs of New York City. I went to school in upstate New York for undergrad, Saratoga Springs. And then after that, I decided to go teach English in China. And so I was there for... I ended up being in China for nine years. <laughs> yeah, wow. And then circled back around. I came back to New York. I do have aging parents, and they still are based in New York. Mm-hmm. So that was coming back home for me, and that's where I am today. And I produce videos for Insider, also known as Business Insider. Yeah, that's really cool. And what what made you go to was it you were in Beijing I think I saw that what what took you over there I so I originally was outside of Beijing and that was a you know it was actually I was on campus and I was seeing a lot of flyers for teach English in China Mm -hmm. and I've been very directionless as far as career goes in the very beginning of my life I had no idea what I wanted to do And so when I saw those flyers, I said, well, you know, after I graduate, I can just go teach English for a year because I don't know what I want to do. So it was like, instead of a gap year, I took it after (laughs) undergrad. And so I taught English. It was a very small place, small for China. It's on the second largest oil field in China. I I looked up like these really random stats about it because it was like, what is this city? But after that, I realized I grew up, I didn't grow up with a second language at all, aside from Spanish in school. Mm -hmm. And so while I was living in China, I realized I want to learn Mandarin. Where do I go learn Mandarin? The capital, right? And so I moved there. I didn't even have, I had one friend, kind of, that I had met in that first year in China. And similar to me, he also taught English in this Uh, university there and so he when he came back to visit just one time we became friends (laughs) and then I was like hey remember me I'm moving to Beijing you're my only friend (laughs) (laughs) so I built and from Beijing I built you know I built a network of friends I built a professional network I started this is like after teaching English I'd only did that in a year and a half and then 
I started to learn Chinese. I went to private language school. Mm-hmm. I started meeting a lot of other foreigners. There's like a very strong foreigner network in yeah. Beijing. It's super international. I mean, I had one birthday and there were 20 people and I was the only person from the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> Every cool. single one of my friends, and we're talking couples too, like nobody was from the same country. It was yeah. really nice. And so... So, you know, fast forward through more like lost years, I started, I started doing photography. And so I was doing mainly event photography and I've been taking photos my entire life. You know, I used to have like a, a rectangle square camera, the Mickey Mouse film and everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So it's like, I've always been attracted to images and taking photos and people like knew me for that when we're out socially and everything. So I started doing it professionally and then, you know, I started doing it for a magazine. Um, it's called Beijing Kids. And then also long story short, I became the magazine editor there. And at first I was one of the main writers and mm-hmm. photographer, or not necessarily photographers. I was doing more of the writing, but I was also taking photos for them. So I was doing a lot of the writing, you know, it was a 96 page magazine. And we also had a website, but it was definitely more magazine focused, you know, and similar and akin to one of our, one of our competitors was timeout. So, yeah. And so I became managing editor and was running that magazine and it was not easy. (laughs) You know, I started getting like white hairs that year. (laughs) Uh, I started drinking coffee that year. I also, you know, this whole time I had not been drinking coffee and then you just can't have that job and not drink coffee (laughs) or have something that, you know, is your vice, I guess. And then when I came back to New York, so I moved back, right? Because all my family's here. I, you know, it's hard to get a job. It didn't translate, I feel, my experience. And it was also in the magazine world. Most things are digital now. You know, I work at a digital only uh, media company right now. Like we've never had a magazine, even though most people like, oh, isn't that a magazine? Never been a magazine. So I think that, you know, that all sort of led to like where I am now. I, it was, it was difficult to get a job. I didn't have connections in journalism or media or, you know, all my friends are in different fields and you're also talking about like, I haven't talked to them in so long. (laughs) So came back and decided to go to grad school. Mm -hmm. I went to what is now called Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. Mm -hmm. But when I went to it, it was just CUNY J and um, incredible, incredible education, affordable compared to the New York alternative. And I, so I I didn't know necessarily that I was going to do video. I knew that I wanted to beef up my writing skills. So I focused on that in the first, it's three semesters. So the first semester and maybe a little bit of the second, but towards like the second and last semester, I was starting to push towards video. And it's, it's, I think one of the most complicated, most challenging things you can do, you know, you go out on a shoot and you're like, oh my God, I can't hear anything. You're like, oh my God, my headphones aren't plugged in. You know, like there's, there's yeah. every little thing can go wrong. Or I was once doing a shoot and this was actually at the Met Museum. Yep. And it was so fun to, you know, have that access and to get that green light to shoot there. 
And then, and I remember too, it was like the prior month, the, I think it was Oceans, is it Oceans 12 or the one where it's uh, all female cast? Was it Oceans 8? Not Oceans 11, but Oceans 8 maybe. Yeah. And so they, they had just shot there like the month before, the two months before and such a great feeling to be like, wow, they shot this really big movie here. And I'm just shooting with my, (laughs) my tripod and my camera with one host, you know, but the problem that I had when I was shooting there technically was this like weird beeping fuzz like drop hmm. and i found out when i went back you know i talked to the other video person this was while i was at 538 and i said what happened like i there's this noise and i don't know what's happening and he said were there walkie-talkies uh, like oh the frequency you know like hmm. and and the whole time too and we were doing single takes so or you know what we call like live tapes so yeah. you just want the the full thing and my host can't mess up. And so, you know, and also the way that we were shooting, he was very far away from me. And so he was like walking away from me and then I'd be like, go, you know, silently. Yeah. And he would start talking and then, you know, the beeps or the whatever, something technical would go wrong. So it's like, he was doing great, but then the equipment's uh. failing me, <laughs> you know, and then the other thing, the other thing will always happen too. You know, the equipment is totally fine, but maybe the host is having a bad day, you know, <laughs> there's too many moving parts here. I also, having gone to, at my grad school at CUNY, they, we push for everyone to be, you know, I am a one woman band. I, at work, I pitch ideas. I do Mm -hmm. the research. I reach out to people. I conduct the interviews, pre-interviews, shooting, you know, you know, sometimes there is talent. Sometimes you're the talent. Also editing, scripting, voicing color correction, sound auditing, sound editing, and uh, yeah, everything. <laughs> so so uh, I have to ask, so this all sounds very complicated. And w- what made you, what made you continue? Uh, I love a challenge. It's, That's good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely part of my nature. It's part of who I am. I, if there's a harder road to take, like I will take it. You know, I think part of the reason I went to China and I went to Beijing is because I I wanted an experience that was yeah. different. And sometimes I forget that I've really had this like full life that I set up in a whole nother country on the other side of the world. You know, I really developed roots and then I realized like, oh my God, I don't want roots here. And then I pulled them up, but I think the reason I went to China was actually I studied abroad in um, Barcelona in Spain. Oh, cool. And it's, you know, I loved it. I had a great time, but I was like, I kind of want something like, you know, the European culture is not that different than the American yeah. culture. Like I didn't feel out of place. I didn't feel, you know, challenged in the way that I thought or culturally, like it wasn't that different. So that's sort of also why I ended up in China. Um, Looking for a bit of a shock to the system, I guess, right? Just yeah, yeah, and it was you know I am I am Chinese American, I am Asian American, but that experience is also like totally different. And so I guess you would also say I've always grown up as an outsider. My hometown is predominantly white, and mm-hmm. then going to China, I was also seen as a foreigner because my Chinese was so terrible. Oh, right. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> oh, why is your Chinese so bad? Are you Korean? <laughs> Are you Japanese? Like, <laughs> I don't understand. 
they, they, they feel like it's in your blood. Like if you're actually Chinese, you're just born speaking it and that's it. <laughs> and then I come back here and it was, you know, reverse culture shock, which is, you know, that's tough too. Like you're used to living a certain way. And yeah. it's like, even though the, what you're going back to is what you grew up with. It's still, you know, your brain gets very confused. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, it gets very confused. I can't remember any like specific examples off the top of my head. I do remember a friend said that he went back to a grocery store here. And so basically in China, if you don't, if you're not like pushy about being in line and getting, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your deli meats, your, your standing in line for ice cream, like anything, like you're just not going to get it. Yeah. You're not going to get it or getting on the bus even. And so my friend came back here and was in a grocery store and sees like an opening, like a, a grocery store line checkout that was shorter. And so he's about to wind up and like push his cart through. And he's in it like, you know, he didn't even realize he was doing it. He yeah. was like ready to like cut someone off to get to the shorter line. <laughs> but you know, it changes you in those ways and like very, that seems like very small, but it's, you don't even realize it's impacting you. you well, you know? acclimate, don't you? Yeah. You, you totally oh, yeah. learn to, to fit in and, and behave that way. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I think that's, yeah. I met my wife in Saudi Arabia. So oh. similar to what Beijing is very much like a melting pot and same thing. You could have parties and, you know, 40 people from 40 different countries would show up and you kind of, I don't know. I, I think it's a fantastic thing to get out and just experience that just different cultures and see what you kind of bring back because yeah, it's like the, I noticed that about Chinese that there is this, it's just a cultural thing. There's but a fight they, to be in line. There is a fight to be in line. And you know, my first reaction as an American was to be like, how dare you? And then you figure it out that like, this is just how it is. It's not personal. Yeah. <laughs> no one, yeah, I've no one also- looked at me and thought like, Oh, there's a weakling. Like, let's go, let's go shove him around. It's just, just culturally how it is so it's it's fascinating i've also i've also always felt about so this is chinese culture in china too there's this you will do almost anything for people that you know and Mm -hmm. so like your friends and family like almost anything you'll you'll ask them for whatever favors but you also do whatever favors for them but like strangers you're like i don't i don't have any yeah (laughs) you know like i don't have any i don't need to have the etiquette with you because we're strangers Mm. So I think that it's just different. And also, I will say too, don't Americans have the biggest, don't we have the biggest, our personal space is like (laughs) bigger than other, other cultures. So we're like, no, you have to be three feet away. (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh, I'll I'll tell you a quick story, not to go sidetrack, but in Riyadh, in Saudi Arabia, I wanted to get a visa to go to India. So I went to the Indian um, embassy there. And culturally, Indians have a much smaller personal bubble than us Americans do. And so it was literally like toe to heel, right? Like that's the line to get into the embassy. And it was the the guy behind me kept kicking me in the heel. And I'm sitting there thinking like, what is like, is he stealing my wallet? And then I realized you look around and everyone is toe to heel, literally touching the person's feet in front of them. And it just... I, I don't know, I wouldn't call it an anxiety attack, but I definitely had a moment where I just thought this is super uncomfortable, but you kind of just, well, if I want to go to India, <laughs> I might as well just deal with it and embrace it. And yeah, so I know exactly what you mean. There's a lot of yeah, and it, it little just, differences. It, yeah, and it's just pushing, 
it's just pushing the boundaries of what you have known. Yeah. You know, because it's not saying like one is right or one is wrong. It's just it's different from what you've grown up with and what you've experienced. And then it just changes you to, you know, as we're saying, acclimate faster. Yeah. You know, like you you had a moment, but then you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna accept this. Yeah. This is how it is, you know. They're they're comfortable. I might as well be too. But instead of I don't know, it's that stereotypical American in Paris sort of thing, right? Like yelling <laughs> yelling in English, like I want a pizza. <laughs> the embarrassing, but probably more often than not true <laughs> sort of American. Yeah. <laughs> well, we it's you know, it's like the now culture. I don't know if you like comedy but like ronnie chang has a great skit mm. about amazon and like how we want everything now or yesterday yep. now yeah. in our hands it's funny because it's true i know that was that was a, something speaking of acclimating like so moving from america to australia right like there's no two-day shipping with amazon here there was only i think amazon started in 2019 here so and still you don't get overnight shipping which to me was what am I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, but I wanted it now. And the stores don't, don't stay open 24 hours. So it took me a while to kind of calm down and just settle into the pace of things. But anyway, that's my buying habits. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to hear then, like, so all that experience living in China and taking those cultural influences back with you. I noticed with, with, Business Insider that recently you've been doing or, or covering some stories of like, I think it was a vegan restaurant in Minneapolis and a laundromat in Minneapolis sort of following the recent, the protests and some looting that's happened there. And do you feel like having the experiences that you do and like those cultural sensitivities maybe that it helps you tell these stories a little bit better and helps you maybe push a different angle on these things? That's what great let me think so i i think i mean of course i think my answer is going to be of course i think for the two specific stories that you're talking about since they were both those stories were about black owned businesses yeah. and i think i guess i'm always questioning right when you're not a part of the community mm-hmm. how do you approach it yeah and so i think in that way it's always shaped me and I will, I always love telling stories about underrepresented voices and giving anyone, anything, a platform that maybe isn't, isn't resonating with the greater community. Uh, And so those two stories did come out of wanting to cover Black Lives Matter, but with a business angle. Mm -hmm. So the, the first story you mentioned, Lewis Hunter, and he's actually Philando Castile's cousin and I originally thought about that story to include in the other story the laundromat story but realized very quickly that he has this whole tale to tell and the you know how he got started in the restaurant industry and you know who he is today really it was all tied together yeah and so decided that that was its own story and then the laundromat story was also you know I, it was originally a pitch that my editor had, and it was about, it was actually the Indian restaurant in Minneapolis that said, like, let my place burn down and everything. And, Mm. and that struck a chord in me in terms of, I said, wait, you know, I always go the other way, at least when I'm looking for new stories. I'm like, wait, I don't think everyone feels this way. 
you know, and you can support the protest and you can support the movement, but you can also want to protect your business. And those are, you know, two separate things. And so I just wanted to explore that and talk to people who were, you know, in, in that place. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, of course, I think that I think everything is always like led up to this too, like being in video, wanting, wanting to do things that are challenging and it's like video is challenging in so many ways. Um, and if you're not worried about audio, you're worried about visuals, you know, yeah. if you're not worried about technical things, you're worried about, you know, how, you know, the emotional side of things or connecting with someone or making them feel comfortable. And so I think that if I think about how, like living in China and living in a different environment and coming back here, I would say it's not as like direct, but I do think like the ability to talk to so many different people and to make them feel comfortable very quickly and let them tell their story. Like, I think that all like leads up to that. Yeah. So I don't always see it like as a direct thing, unless I'm talking about Chinese culture in China specifically, or I, I also have noticed, I guess, in the past, like moving back to New York, there is definitely a very big difference between how Asian Americans see things and people from mainland China see things. Okay. Like in terms of like what is offensive or what is, because um, Asian Americans will always have to understand where we fit in. And so I've I've had a lot of these talks recently and in terms of Asians I do think it's our like where we stand racially is in terms of or in relation to white people and black people and we're talking about like where we fit in and then like it's basically cuz it's conditional right and the the model minority was used was used against uh black lives and like it's to say like we are the perfect race or whatever but it hurts us too right so it it doesn't explain like the pain or the anguish or the prejudice that we face and we currently are facing right during the pandemic but yeah. you know all that stuff has existed and existed for a long time but yeah i think there's <laughs> there's always like there's a lot to unpack for for asian americans for sure and so if i think about living in china and coming back here i always I notice it more, I guess. Okay. Yeah, well, I suppose you would see the differences, and then you have you have a unique lens on it now, don't you? I mean, being able to see it from both perspectives, and well, really, like a, a third perspective, which is you with all of that experience. I, I think I, I admire you for doing the stories that you've done, like talking about <clears throat> the the stores in Minneapolis, and I'm, I'm really interested in. Like, so how do you approach telling these stories, right? So you're saying that, you know, as, as an Asian American, there's difficulties as well. And so how would you use a platform? Not that you're using Business Insider as a, as a platform for this, but like, what kind of stories are you looking to tell? And I guess something that you said just before that, so you wanted to tell uh, these stories about businesses and with like a context of Black Lives Matter. And so to me, there's like a very emotional side of that that's blending with the business side of it. And that's can be two very different things, right? Like business wise can be very sort of buttoned up and 
and almost like if you go too emotional, it becomes almost detrimental to the business. So how do you balance that emotional side of things with the more practical? Like, so there's the emotional side of a store, a laundromat being looted. And then the reality is that, you know, it's a, it is a business, so it needs to keep sort of chucking on. Like, how do you, how do you approach telling these stories that have such heavy emotional weight to them? I'm always asking myself questions. You know, I think in the pre-production and the production and in the post-production. So in the, I will say in the pre-production, for me, I'm always looking for a good story and it doesn't stop i you know i'll clock out of work but then i'll see something on my phone or i'll talk to a friend so my story ideas are they're flowing all the time and i always have like a running list or just they might be stray thoughts in terms of production there's these questions so well there's also i guess it's also part of pre-production but finding you know who am i talking to and so I'm always looking for good, what we call good characters. And Mm -hmm. so people who can tell this story. And so when I, when I talked to Shantae on the phone, so she's in the laundromat story, I knew that she was a really compelling person. She has so much emotion. And I think actually, I'm always looking for the emotion. So I, from the technical side or like the story side, you know, I'm also talking to her about that. but when you have someone who has both, when you have someone who has both the story to tell and the emotion to include in the story and video gets, you know, video is, video and audio are very good mediums for, for showing emotions. Yeah. You can, you can use them for, you know, showing happiness, pain, anger, you know, frustration, because you hear it in people's voices, you see it on their face. So Mm -hmm. that's why, you know, I think the, actually the emotional side is always what I am looking for. And in terms of the story, that's, you know, more of like the pre-production and pitching, you know, like what is the story? And, and that's the question that, you know, you ask yourself all the time while you're doing the story, when you're scripting the story, because sometimes you, like, for instance, I still have very long interviews sometimes. And I've asked the person so many questions and sometimes the story changes even while I'm talking to them. Right. Or, you know, they mention, Oh, I know someone else or they, they mention something else and that might bring me into another tangent or into another, bring in another voice. And I mean, I'm, I'm currently doing even this week and last week, you know, my story is continuously expanding. So I would say actually I'm always looking for both of those things in terms of, in terms of balancing, I don't know if I, I see them as like opposing things, Yeah. but as like, I need to encompass both of them. I need to be practical in telling the story and making sure it's clear to somebody from start to finish, like where, you know, where each line goes next. Uh, and that happens all the time in the script. It, you know, happens in voice, uh, voiceover lines and it yeah. happens in quotes that I pull and, you're constantly asking yourself, what do I include? What do I exclude? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm in throughout the process, right? So even when sometimes I show up and I have so many questions for this person, but we start running out of time. And then, you know, I have to reevaluate my questions very quickly 
Like, what are the, what is the last question I want to ask this person? Yeah, you know, yeah. that happens too. I think you're, I think you're actually always uh, thinking about the technical and the emotional side when you're doing video. Mm-hmm. You know, also I will say too, I, I've also been shooting a lot of video in the area and I think that, you know, and I'm just shooting with my iPhone, which, you know, I've, I've listened to your previous episodes and I would agree with some people are saying like the phone is really amazing and it's true. Like I've, I've done, I actually did a whole shoot. It was actually, it was in North Dakota, very, very sunny, so sunny. Hmm. And I couldn't see what was happening on the screen. So in the camera, you know, I, I don't have like a complicated setup. So I think that some people might say, oh, well, you needed the viewfinder and then you need, right. you know, yeah. like you need a hood. And it's like, I don't, I don't have any of those things. Like everything we do is super minimal. And so I couldn't see what I was shooting. I couldn't see if it was in focus. And I was with another shooter and I told her and she was, I don't know, she just, she was in her zone. She was just using the eyepiece and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And also the bees are swarming us. They're so angry that we're taking their, you know, I wasn't taking their honey the beekeeper taking the honey but they were mad and I said you know what I'm putting the camera back in the car and I'm using my iPhone and a lot of that the video in the end actually is a lot of my iPhone footage and that's not the first time we've used iPhone footage in one of our videos but it told me that you know it can be good enough to use I think you can't you can't do interviews because the audio is not is not particularly it's it's not great it picks up everything but in terms of visuals it's it's incredible it you know i mean i don't know if you even in cinema right tangerine that was all shot on iphone yeah so yeah i mean i don't i think you should i I, like i'm i always think of it too i'm carrying around a camera Mm. it just happens to make phone calls and i can listen to music but to me, my iPhone is actually a camera. <laughs> I think it's always on my disposal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's this phone that you talk about? <laughs> yeah. I was like, did you know this makes calls? <laughs> <I know. laughs> I've seen a lot of that lately. Like, you know, what would make an, an iPhone perfect is that if you lost the phone. So <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's yeah. really, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah. Phones have enabled everyone to do more video, and that's a that's a whole other topic of you know, like how to go about doing that. But and I also love the fact that the I, I feel so, sorry for you that the bees were not happy with you, but that's a really funny twist <laughs> on the story that I I got stung too. Oh man, <laughs> I got stung, and it's actually it's funny because when I was walking, I was like oh, I got stung, and I looked down, and it was a prairie cactus just mm. stuck in my leg, <laughs> and I had to pull it out. So I actually, the first time wasn't. I wasn't a bee at all, but the second time I thought I got stung, I did actually get stung. So if anyone thinks that being a videographer is a safe job, then... <laughs> yeah, it, well, they have to be adventurous. Yeah. <laughs> Wear good shoes and maybe a beekeeper's outfit, yeah. Which, yes. <laughs> during COVID, I don't know, you know, the masks and gloves and beekeeper uniforms, it might just, you might just fit right in these days, but... Um, I don't think anyone would bat an eye, you know? No, not now. Right. <laughs> I, I'd like to explore something a bit more with you. And so you said in the, the pre-interview that 
to be inclusive, right? And so consider black indigenous people of color in your products, services, and the marketing stuff. Could you, where does someone start with that, right? Well, the first thing is you have to hire them. <laughs> and hiring is a whole process. And it's also looking at your network. Mm -hmm. So, you know, who, like, where did you go to school? Like, where did you grow up? Who are your friends? Like, what does your friend group look like? We often hire people within our group. Yeah. And that's either socially, that's either socially or that's through academia, right? And so where did you go to school and who are your friends? Those are, that's actually almost what you have to ask. And if you're not part of those groups, like there are organizations you can always reach out to. You know, in the U.S., we have AAJA, Asian American Journalists Association. Mm -hmm. We have NAB, NABJ. There's, there's places that you can go to. There's Twitter accounts writers of color, you know, I think that, and then I also want to say too, it's not, I, I also, I often talk about racial diversity, but it's also the LGBTQ community, yep. less abled bodies, you know, I think you have to look also at socioeconomical differences, like we have those two, there's also class, right, yep. and people don't, you know, people might not necessarily think about that all the time, like I went to public school and one of the great things about going to public school that maybe it wasn't racially diverse, but it was socioeconomically very diverse. Yeah. And so I had that throughout my childhood and, you know, I've seen people with more than I had and I've seen people with less than I had. And for you to know and recognize how that shaped you and how you view things, I think you just, you have to think about that constantly. Yeah. And then I also, I know we also, in the pre-interview, I also mentioned because, you know, if, if we're talking to people who do work in marketing or create products and services, I'd also mentioned Band-Aid, right? So Band-Aid, they took a hundred years. They're now doing different shades for their Band-Aids. Yeah. But, you know, that took a hundred years from them and they're, they're one of like their market leader, right? And then even... Uh, more recently, too, Zappos is now offering single shoes and different size shoes. All right. Uh, and so there was there was this whole you, you think about that and they're like, there's so many people they weren't serving, yeah. right? These these really big companies and how did it get like that? You know, we you have to look at their boardroom, you have to look at their C-suite and their leadership, and it all trickles down. You know, if you have if you only have people of color in your you know, at sort of lower levels, like you're never going to see these changes. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have the people up, up top making these bigger decisions, because then we're just, you know, we're just shouting up <laughs> and it's falling on deaf ears and you're not going to see those changes. Yeah. So I want to see those people in leadership, you know, and yeah. so, so it's not just, so to go back to the beginning of that question, it's not just about hiring. It's about listening to these people if you have them. It's about promoting them. It's about paying them fairly. Mm -hmm. You know, there there's so many studies out there that they're not paid fairly, that they're not promoted, and that they're not listened to. And then, you know, we have companies that are now looking at, you know, DNI positions. That person is going to get so tired yeah. because there's probably already people at the company that are speaking up that aren't being heard. 
and that you know there is high turnover in that role too because it doesn't fall on one person it's actually everyone needs to do the work hiring managers managers people in leadership positions and so then that's not just one person it's you know no place is run by one person unless you're like super super small right yeah so it's sort of you know i think there's there's definitely a huge awakening at either a company level or just you know through there's tons of social unrest but the the solutions have always been there and we just have to we just have to do it so to put in the work yeah 100 yeah i agree with you uh, that's that's all sort of like so that's let's say that's that's internal or internal that's on like the business side what about like so if we're talking marketing if we're talking this storytelling how are you considering the audience and how are you considering talking to a broader audience like so you mentioned band-aid and skin tone or well i mean skin tone for a few people anyway until recently has been one thing but like so they've started to make uh band-aids in multiple skin tones now right so that's looking out and seeing who their consumers are how do you kind of approach that like so if you if you diversify inside it probably happens automatically right where like the diversity of opinions inside will help sort of craft the stories that you're telling in the communities that you're talking to but if say you're a smaller shop and you know there's only so many people that you can hire is there a way that you can be sort of conscious about diversity in your messaging and by diversity i mean like the 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 idea and the understanding that the people that are consuming your messaging may not look like you how would you kind of go about producing that thinking about that i think you have to i think you have to look for it and so you have to read, you know, follow, follow people on Twitter that are part of groups that you want to hear from, mm-hmm. you know, see what they're saying. Actually, Twitter is, you know, I don't use it a ton, but I will go on there and I'll see what's happening. And it's very good. It's a very good way to get a pulse on what is happening currently mm-hmm. and within certain subsets, within certain yeah. groups. And so like, you know, you have to read, you have to read up, you have to listen, you can look for those groups, like you probably live in a place that has a group that (laughs) hasn't been heard yet. You know, like there's, there's so many stories out there that haven't been told. And so you just you have to look for it. And you really have to put in the effort. You know, I'm I'm saying this like super broadly, because I don't know, you know, necessarily where someone lives but I'm sure there's also organizations that are in that area that are meeting up. I mean, I think when you, when you belong to a marginalized group, like you're going to have a community somewhere mm-hmm. where you're going to look for it. Like there's, there's gotta be a group somewhere that you can listen to. And I keep saying, listen, because I think that that's what you have to do first. Yeah. Very good advice. I think. I'd like to kind of take this back to the work that you're doing now at Business Insider. And so you're doing, was it Business Insider today? Are you still producing that? Yeah. And that's, is that with the CEO still? Is that, I forget the gentleman's name now. But Henry Blodgett. Yes, Henry Blodgett. Yeah. 
So um, I, when I first started, I was working more directly with him, but mm-hmm. Business Insider today sort of, that's a different, that's a different team. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we did have him on for a little bit, but then we had two other hosts and now we have a, another host. So it, it, it's had a lot of variations yeah. throughout, you know, throughout the, from the very beginning. I'm sorry, what is your, what was the question? Though? <laughs> I'm trying, I was going to sort of like tie that all together with like, so we're, we're talking about producing content for a diverse group of people. And like, so you're producing a weekly show. Is it a weekly show or is it? Daily, it is Monday daily. through yes. Friday. That's yeah, right. we have, there's two, there's Monday through Friday and then there's a weekly show. Yeah. Okay. I think that's where I got confused. So you're doing it on a daily basis. How are you picking the stories that you're telling for that? Ooh, I work with many people, but you know, it's, we're, we're talking like upwards of 20 people mm-hmm. and they're all talented and they, we all bring something different to the table. And I would say, Personally, I'm always, you know, as we've talked about, I am always looking to give a voice to people that are underrepresented, Yeah. but that might not be every story that I work on. There's also like when you work full-time, right, sometimes you get assigned stories. Yep. So I have also taken those on. I have noticed that my tendency is I love, I love covering and talking to small business owners. Mm-hmm. And that's just sort of become something I've been very attracted to is talking to small businesses. But, you know, I think that there's, that's hard for me to say <laughs> as, you know, one producer of many, I think yeah, that, fair enough. you know, those are the stories that I focus on, but we, it's such a broad, you know, anything that, that can be a business story is yeah. what we do. And that is, you know, I've, I've also done a caviar story. You know, my other story that I had mentioned with bees, that was about honey. Yeah. So that was about trading and honey. So I think that, you know, those were industry stories. It just, it just varies. It's so, it's so varied. Yeah. We, I mean, like if it, if it's a good story and if it's visual, I mean, I guess anytime you're doing a video story, right. I'm always, as a journalist, I'm always asking myself, you know, like, why now? Why does it matter? Why should people care? But mm-hmm. there's also like for videos, like, why is it a video? You know, should it be a video? Are there visuals? Sometimes they're not visual enough to be a video story. So we've heard from Kara about how her travels, her experiences, her teaching, how all of that informs not only the stories that she chooses to tell, but how she goes about telling them. Coming up, we talk about the integrity that it takes to sometimes pick a story that you may not feel that everyone wants to hear, but that you feel like they need to hear. And also we've got some exciting news about Kara's work at Business Insider and some changes that are coming up there that I think you'll find really fascinating and encouraging. you're going to tell a good story people will stay and watch it so it's like you want to catch them with the good visuals so you kind of already know from the beginning if that's in your story and I will say that sometimes I still pitch and I still do stories that I know 
are not going to perform as well as say something that is going to just people are going to keep liking it and keep liking it because visually it's very entertaining or yeah. you know it strikes a chord with people visually but that doesn't ever stop me and I know that doesn't stop our team from doing and telling stories that are maybe less compelling visually you know but we we still want to tell the story and we still have a show to put out Monday yeah. through Friday <laughs> yeah yeah and I think I will also mention, I, this is like very new and I'm actually switching teams. Are you? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's literally no surprise to anyone who's either known me or been listening, but we have another vertical, it's called Voices of Color. Yeah. And yeah, actually awesome. next week I will, I will be starting there. And it's a page that, you know, we've had, we've definitely had at the company, but right now we're what we call revamping it and you're going to mm. see more from it and hopefully I didn't speak too soon so don't like go to the page if I haven't produced anything <laughs> yet for it but definitely watch out for it so that's <laughs> awesome yeah oh, well congratulations yeah that sounds like it's you. uh, you're, you're a perfect fit for it I mean just I can tell it's something that you care a lot about and so that sounds great yeah do you want us Thank to publish you. this after <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> Um, no, they it's it is currently something that exists, so they can still go and yeah. I actually have a really old video on there. So Okay, cool. Well we'll definitely keep an eye out for for your work on there. That's that's really exciting. I'm gonna close with, with one one last question here, and this is kind of going back to the start of like so if someone wanted to just if someone is just getting started in journalism, what's some advice, or maybe I'll frame it this way, what's some advice that you would give yourself? say back at the start of J school, what would you tell yourself from today? We, we have a joke and it's go into public relations. <laughs> Journalism is not, you know, it's not high paying. It's not stable. You have to be so flexible to be in the job, whether that's because the industry is, can be tumultuous or the actual job is very stressful. What would I tell myself at the beginning? I <laughs> I don't know. I think I would I would tell myself like you're nuts to be thinking about doing this career, but that would 100% not stop me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that would probably just push me to like really really go into it. It's so challenging. I think yeah. you you know, you have we, you know, we watch you, whatever company that you're at, you will follow the articles and see there are layoffs at other companies and mm -hmm. knowing what the, what it looks like out there. It's, it's just not, it's scary to see, but yeah. I know myself and my colleagues, like we're so passionate about what we do and we want to keep doing it. We stay in it. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I remember I have, I have a friend who was like, oh, grad school is just all drinks. It's coffee, 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 beer, beer, beer. And then you find out that's also just like life as an adult. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's very, it's so stressful. I don't, I'm grateful. I've worked with some incredible, incredible people that, you know, we often make friends at work. Um, and they are my support network throughout 
whatever story I'm doing. And, you know, I might talk to them about like what's happening in the story and they're always there for me. They're there for me after hours too. And yeah, I don't know what I would, I would just say like, don't do it. But then, you know, I would hear that basically. (laughs) And knowing, knowing (laughs) you now, you'd you'd sprint right towards it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost as if you know yourself too well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love a challenge. If it's too easy, I'd just like, you know, something is wrong if it's too easy. <laughs> I'm sure someone's going to listen to that and feel the same exact way, right? Like that's if see you've just thrown a gauntlet down and Yeah. I'm sure that's well, anyone that I mean we're talking about it. you're talking about video and you're talking to people who do video and I don't think any of them would say that it's easy. It's yeah. One of the most difficult mediums. You know, if you don't have a technical issue while you're shooting, you're gonna have it while you're editing. Or you're going to run into yeah. like, I don't know, any sort of, anything can happen. But then it's, you know, you take it on and you do with what you have. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, well said. <laughs> I would agree with you. Thank you, Kara, so much for, for sharing all of that. Uh, I think there's there's a lot to take away from that. And I think your perspective is unique and also just one that's worth sharing. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're doing what you do. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been wonderful to to chat about everything. <laughs> where should people go and check out you, your work? And, and where should they come and say hi? I am on, I have my own personal website, which is my name, karachin.com. Mm-hmm. I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. And yeah. I'm very easily searchable. Okay, cool. <laughs> you can find me. <laughs> All right. I'll put some I have an author page. Awesome. I have an author page, a business insider, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very easily found. <laughs> Perfect. All right. That's what we like to hear. Hey, it's Peter here. Kara, thank you again for joining me. I love the stories that you have to share, and I love watching the way that you tell them. I do want to say a quick thank you to Dr. Delight, Brightseed, and Isaac Joel for the music on this podcast. And hey, dear listener, if you're enjoying what you're listening to and you like it and you think someone else can benefit from it, please give it a share. And if you really love it, go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. If you have any questions for me about the show, whatever, please send me an email. It's peter at dearvideo.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, go make some awesome videos. See ya.